The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the Law Offices of Jacob Imrani. Accident or injury, call Jacob Imrani, call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason. Sue Kalinske is off for uh, for this show. Uh, she will be back, by the way, really big show coming up next with Anthony Ramos, who is the star of Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. And uh, he, of course, was in In the Heights. That's coming up for you next week. We will have that show uh, with me and Sue together. In the meantime, if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to me on the radio, you know that I love the Fast and the Furious movies. I am a huge fan. Um, I I love uh, Vin Diesel as Dom. I love uh, it's all about the family, and I love all the stuff uh, that that he talks about. Uh, his metaphors of life that relate to racing. Now, here's the weird thing: I don't know virtually anything about cars. I'm not a car guy. Like I was in the Toyota Celebrity Grand Prix a few years back where I finished, by the way, 14th. I did not finish last. I finished 14th in front of Omar Epps and Willie Galt, which I'm very proud of. They both crashed, but I did finish, if you looked at the standings, in front of them. But I know nothing about cars. I didn't even know how to drive stick at that point. So I had to learn that before I actually got into the race. So not a car guy, don't understand what's going on. What I do love is the total and complete spectacularness of it. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think I'm spoiling anything, but some of that stuff, not realistic. Like there's, there's a huge absurdity with the Fast and the Furious movies that to me makes them so much fun to watch. So I am a really big fan and I'm excited for my guest today, who is the first streetball freestyle basketball player to sign an endorsement deal with Nike before becoming an actor. He's appeared in movies like The Brave One, 21 Jump Street, and Fast Five. He is now back in the Fast and Furious family for Fast 10. Luis Da Silva joins me. Luis, thanks a lot for doing this, man. Hey, man, thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan of yours. So absolutely. Once this came in, I landed on my publicist's desk. I was like, I have to be a part of it. Awesome, man. Awesome. Thanks a lot for huge that. Huge fan, man. Huge fan. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, Fast X, which I saw last weekend, worldwide box office hit. You were in Fast Five, which was huge. What's it like when you wake up one day and you're in the biggest movie in the world? You know, it's it's surreal you know i mean as as actors and performers we you know as you know the business um it, it, there's ups and downs it's not all blue skies and unicorns and you know you put your best foot forward and and at sometimes some get you know more traction than others but every once so often some people get lucky and they land these franchise blockbusters so uh when it first land you know it brought up in 2011 when i was part of fast five they were looking for um, a Portuguese speaking actor. And, um, you know, at that time we're talking, you know, 12, 13 years ago, 
as much as the Brazilian and Portuguese population from Cristiano Ronaldo, a lot of these UFC fighters has been like more world recognized, but um, I got lucky and read for it casting like me. And it was one of the few auditions that it wasn't, you know, one of the grueling processes and they booked me on camera. Wow. Um, yeah. They flew me. My scene took place in Atlanta, Georgia, but they shot a couple of days in the favelas in Brazil. And, you know, after 24 hours, camera lenses got missing and they just shipped ship production to Puerto Rico. So most of the, the film was done in Puerto Rico and then the pickups and the tuner scene, uh, for, um, which was the scene I was a part of is when, you know, all the driving, it brings it back to the essence of where it started, uh, took place in Atlanta and, um, you know, understand the franchise and, and, and the people around and family and friends that are huge and huge enthusiasts of these cars and the franchise are like, there's no way they're not going to bring you back. They bring everybody back. And I'm like, man, if they ever do, they do. And sure enough, I think April of last year, I get a call saying, you know, Justin Lin was writing it. And I was like, well, Justin Lin's a director that came back for Fast Five. I was like, there's always hope, right? So I'm sitting back in my backyard and I get an email and it's one of the most exciting emails saying, you know, they're going to bring your character back. So right, right away, I knew there was some tie to Brazil without giving the movie away. Sure, um, sure. And, uh, but uh, the 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 the, I, the cherry on the top was we're shooting in London, so it was uh, it was fun to. They flew me out to London for three months, and uh, you know, I, on my days off, I get to see Abbey Road and got to see all the the fun things. And you know, the London's code, the UK culture, kind of derived we derived from there. So uh, the language is the same, streets are named the same, towns are the same. Um, cost of drinks is a little bit more, but that's yeah. another story. But it was a blessing, man. I'm just so happy to be a part of it again, and. You know, through my like DMs and all my messages and people that are responding, everybody loves the Diogo character so much. So I'm so thankful. And, you know, who knows? I, I'm, I'm hearing from when we wrapped it in the Coliseum in Rome at the premiere that this is going to be a trilogy now. So this is this is new news from us all from Universal. So very, very thankful. Extremely thankful. So I was watching the movie and I think Dante, uh, yeah. who's played by Jason Momoa, is like one of the best Fast and Furious villains that they they've had he reminds me of sort of this kind of heath ledger in the dark knight kind of thing where he just wants to see the world burn right yeah that's a very you know that that you, you described him very well i think you know he created this dante and made it a very flamboyant type of character but yet dark and i just feel like it's never been seen before. Somebody that dresses like Aladdin, but it's malicious, <laughs> but in an articulate, you know, very fun going way. And it was just brilliant. I mean, I remember, you know, flying out there in our days off, you know, you can't post until the movie comes out, but I'm calling my wife like, honey, this, this guy was just Jason Momoa is a star. He's a star. Just, yeah. uh, and I'm just, again, uh, all my scenes were with him and Vin. So again, it couldn't, couldn't get any better. I mean, it's just like, you know, work side by side of some of the greats. Um, and, um, you know, everybody keeps asking me, he's really big in person. Yeah. I don't know what they feed these kids in Hawaii, but between him and Dwayne Johnson, I mean, these guys are monsters. So by the time this podcast comes out, um, yeah. I, I believe everyone will have seen the movie. I'm just going to go on, on that assumption. So I, there, I, I want to talk about the, the sequence that you're in. And if you yeah. haven't seen the movie and you don't want to know I, I hate to say this, but turn the podcast off because I want to. I want to get into it. Uh, so your character Diogo, uh, you see Dom uh, and and Dante in Rio, and you get involved in this street race. So I, I got questions. 
Yeah. So do you actually do the driving in this race? You know, see, I get that question probably 15 times a day. You know, God, I hate answering this question because it's going to be, the answer is no. And here's the reason why. Um, I, I guess we're able to throttle and go, you know, 20 feet, but our racing, no. There's just so much liability with actors. So yeah. you got to have the stunt team. I mean, God forbid something happens. Who's doing the dialogue? Usually films are shot from the end of the film forward. So all the like exciting, fun stuff are usually getting out of like, we try to get that out of the way as quickly as possible. I then get into all the dialogue. So, you know, you're leaving yourself room for, you know, uh, you know, accidents happen. So the answer is no, but they, um, they do a very good job putting tattoos on these F1 drivers that were for in the UK that were doing all the stunts. But, um, yeah, man, I, 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 um, it's funny enough. I'm actually right after we get this podcast, depending on when this airs, but I'm going to the Indy 500. So no, nice drivers expect me to know how to drive, but fun fact for you, Steve, you know, I'm an actor actor, so I could barely friggin' drive stick ship, but you know, it's uh, I think I do a damn good job at the Ogo. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you absolutely do. I completely buy. It. I actually did a uh, celebrity race a couple of years ago at the uh, Toyota uh, Grand Prix. And uh, when we went into training, I realized I, I never even thought about it. I never drove stick shift. So I get into this race and I'm like, the very first thing I have to learn is to drive stick. And let me tell yeah. you, I was an absolute disaster out there. I uh, just never learned to grow st to drive stick. Yeah. No, you know, the, the adrenaline though, I know responding to the vehicle, I know there's an attachment, but you know, I grew up in, you know, New Jersey outside of New York City. You know, most most of my friends are in their 40s, 50s, don't even have a car in New York City. So, yeah, that's let right. alone, you know, so it's like, it's not a necessity. Having a car, gosh forbid, stick shift in traffic um, on the Holland at five o'clock, it's a nightmare. So, you know, we always <laughs> want automatic, but, you know, fancy enough, you know, we get the Tiptronic cars now, but um, yeah, you know, I'm going to learn. I think uh, I told my mom, she's like, honey, you know, uh, I could get you in a parking lot and then I can teach you how to drive on my van. And I'm saying to myself, man, like, can you imagine just Dio go out there in the parking lot of Walmart and his mom's teaching him how to drive? Like, it's epic. I was like, if I ever do that, I think that's content I need to shoot. Oh, that is absolutely <laughs> hashtag content. No question. <laughs> so there is a great shot uh, at the start of the race that you're in where the camera like goes into each car and shows the four drivers and then the other driver yep. is Isabel and it kind of pulls yep. through. How, how did they make that shot? But yeah, very good question. So, you know, the director, Louis, did a phenomenal job. I mean, dating back to the transporter. I mean, a lot of his shot sequences are like he's he's into action as it comes. So what they did was they ran like a a a track, like a dolly track through the inside of every interior of the car. Really? And the rent. The lens shot right here on me. They zoomed out and then they pushed camera back and still kept it in focus and went from sequence to sequence on every character. And right when they did that, I was like, I haven't seen that done in the film, but I was like, this is a trailer moment. So yeah. I turned to Vinny and I was saying, I was like, you're on this. This is a trailer moment. And I was like, you know, I made the first trailer. So the yep. second one, I mean, you're, you know, you keep it up, Vin. you're going to get a kiss in the mouth. And we chuckled about it. But uh, yeah, it was, and you know, Funny enough, that was the trailer that made the Super Bowl. That was one of the most iconic, popular trailers in February leading into this film. So, again, I got lucky again. You know, hell, uh, Steve, if we take this luck and uh, play some roulette, take it to the casino, I, you know, I got a hot hand. Yeah, yeah, it's such a cool shot. <laughs> and then how do you feel about Dom saving Isabel instead of Yoga? You know, 
<sighs> sex sells, right? She's a beautiful woman. I yep. mean, but we don't know if, we, if I die. We don't know what happens. And that's true. That's true. History is proven to tell. Well, I was so damn ahead of them in the race. He couldn't catch me anyway. That was mine. Yes. And yes. that was my payback because in Fast Five, Paul Walker got, took my car. So, you know, Brian O'Connor, God rest his soul, Paul. But, um, you know, I've been waiting for this moment. On my, you know, 911 GT3 RS 997. <laughs> so I was out. They couldn't catch me. Dante, yes, he cheated. But, you know, no one actually really ever dies. I mean, you know, we look back historically shown, you know, we look at some of the other characters that jumped off planes and, you know, Gail, there's no way she came back from that. And at the end, she's like, so there's still a world. And I think my character being such a fan favorite in these tuner scenes and pretty much representing more like I guess I would like to say, I mean, is it safe to say South America? Because sure. the character so I mean you're talking about a whole continent you're kind of responsible for. And um they're rooting for Diogo. And if they root for Diogo, Universal pays attention. So I'm optimistic. See, I'll be Excellent. I, I'm sure people survive in Fast and Furious. People and David, do survive. I got two kids, so I need to be back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So what's it like on the set with, with Vin Diesel? Is he, is he, I mean, he's obviously the driving force behind uh, the fast and furious movies. He's a larger than life guy. At least yeah. his persona is certainly larger than life. And he yeah. talks about family a lot and you guys came back, come back and keep making these movies. Are, are the actors in the fast movies like one big family, the way they are in the movie? Yeah, you know, I think it resonates on camera and off camera. I think the culture he establishes is um, is exactly what it is. And I think, you know, from a um, method perspective as a performer, you have to believe, right? And I think, you know, he really takes on, which rightfully so he should. I mean, it's one of the biggest franchises of all time. It's uh, 25 years. It hasn't been a comic book. Um, and it's getting probably arguably the, the most praise from every single continent. It's a family. I mean, what else? It's a culture. He established a culture. So I think, you know, later on in his career, and as we got into the seven, eight, nine, more so 10, uh, closing out this chapter, and now it's going to be a trilogy, which I feel, still think it's up in the air, maybe two or three. That's still contingent on how they do Memorial Day weekend, which the viewers will probably see. Um, but again, numbers are being monitored. I think it really comes down to, you know, his understanding that everybody's the driving force and is one big family. And I think that's what's going to bring people to the theaters, right? When everybody knows there's an audience connection and you could kind of gravitate and feel like you're a part of, um, that means something. And, yeah. and as much as we are such an AI digital world, you know, the, the fan activation that they've really promoted on this, the, the, um, you know, from gyps to emojis to games, people want that response. And yes, you know, AI does all the work these days and it's going to get worse, but you know what? It's going to get back down to the essence of emotion and yeah. what makes me feel connected. And that's why I think I really do a fairly decent job and really trying to respond to, you know, as much as I can to like DMs that come in, like, because this is what it's about. This is what it's about. You know, I don't want to be the traditional Hollywood disconnected from your audience because we are such in a social media driven day and everything's it's so close to you. And yeah. if it's not close, it becomes artificial. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But you think social it, media not, is social media good or bad for us? You know, my dad's uh, old school, right? Six years old, but comes from I'm first generation here. It comes from Portugal. 
And uh, he always said, son, you know, too much of anything's no good. And yeah. I guess for as cheesy as that answer might sound, it's freaking true, right? In moderation. I mean, I have an eight-year-old daughter. My son's five months, but my daughter doesn't engage in any social platforms because I know school and, and friends are going to rush her to grow. So if I can keep her as, you know, contained and, 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 and naive as I possibly can, I feel like, you know, maybe for my own selfish reasons as a father, but, you know, I think in moderation, I think when it starts to consume you, I think when people start to really get engulfed over their likes and how many responses they get, I think that just, you know, it takes the fun out of being connected. Yes, I, I completely know, agree. I really yeah. wish they would they would disconnect like the whole like and following thing. Especially becomes, for kids, you know, if kids. It becomes a very capitalistic social approach. Yes, yes. And I think kids, you know, kids in high school, and I don't know what time when you're going to let uh, your daughter on social media, but, you know, they measure the number of likes. Like I, they measure their value uh, as a person based on the number of likes, which I think is really bad for kids. And Steve, to that point, Hollywood does the same darn thing. I mean, they base celebrity and box office numbers based on impressions and who you are on social, which old Hollywood, that wasn't even a thing. Yeah. So again, it's learning how to adapt to Gen Z. It's learning how to adapt to today's society, but still tastefully in a, in a, in a casual, classy way. You could be cool, tattooed, but still have a broad perspective on life in whole. Yes. And sometimes the younger generation, all they see is, you know, well, Kim K does this. And these, and I say Kim K, I'm a huge fan of the Kardashians. I don't, I feel like people bring them up and always in a negative light. But I say that because when you think of the, 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 the apex of uh, reality celebrity yep. and beauty, and you think of their family. So I use that as only purely for reference. And I got to be very clear because now it's like, okay, you know, I'll be in TMZ saying I don't like the Kardashians, but that, that the point I'm trying to make is I try to find a pinnacle apex for every single person to use that as a reference. But, you know, kids, I just, you know, listen, we were all children at once upon a time ago. I was lucky enough to watch Michael Jordan through a tube TV and we didn't have social media. So I didn't have as much distractions. And, you know, before Hollywood, I was pretty good at playing basketball and dribbling and, and but if it wasn't for social media, not, not being available at that point in time, maybe I would have been, I wouldn't be putting that much time and effort in certain things. Right. So again, it comes back to a, a balance. I think social media is, I think computers and social media is great for kids to understand how to activate and use these platforms. But, you know, as, as you go around the neighborhood, you barely see kids playing outside. Again, yeah. I think there should be a balance. I think yeah. a balance is cool. And they are trying to monitor it. I think kids under a certain age, I think they're trying to put like a two hour window on these platforms. I know Montana already dis discontinued the, the services for TikTok. Uh, for TikTok, yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. I, I don't. I don't feel. You know, if there's influencers that it's hurting financially, well, God bless you. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe set up shop in a different place. I mean, it's. Yeah. Uh, you know, these. Uh, so it's it's a different world, and I got to tell you, these influencers are making hand over foot, and God oh, yeah. bless them. Yeah, they God are, them. and good for them, yeah. and good for them. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned basketball. Uh, yeah. I, I went back and watched a bunch of your videos uh, before Once doing this. a time ago, Steve. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Uh, when you were at your peak, would yeah. your handle is as good as anybody I've ever seen. I mean, your handle was unbelievable. Uh, yeah. 
dribbling a basketball is like riding a bike. So it's yeah. like, I don't think the handle is a, the problem is, is that, you know, you reach 40 years old and then the next day you got the aches and pains that never know even existed. So yeah. welcome to, welcome to the forties. Um, but yes, I think I put a lot of time and effort in trying to develop, you know, dribbling sequences that hasn't been done, trying to stay outside the box and creative. And, you know, I went to private school and, um, you know, Kyrie Irving was in, St. Patrick's, so I was, you know, gone and graduated, but, you know, they grew up watching all the N1 mixtapes and Nike freestyle. So all the handles in the NBA were kind of derived and inspired by. And um, some of the stuff that they, they're doing in all-star games, we've done in 2001 that's been displayed on these campaigns and um, the uh, 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 the spoof on Scary Movie, et cetera. So, yeah, you know, that's like a cigar talk. We sit back and be like, man, if there was social media back in 01, I would be like Justin Bieber. You would, you know, I was just thinking that if you were, if there was social media, man, you would be lighting it up. You know, the white kid at 18 years old that's dribbling through a keyhole. I mean, I can, I could see it now. It's like, honey, you know, we missed the yacht days, but it's, it's, it's a good rocking chair story. <laughs> sure. Now, did you ever play competitively? I, you know, I did overseas a little bit. I, I, I worked out with the Harlem Globetrotters the year that they were trying to turn it in competitive and got a, a full ride contract, um, at the Houston Rockets training camp. But, um, you know, I was so embedded in commercial and television screen actors guild and understanding the business that I think I've got my high in entertaining in front of a camera. And that satisfaction was enough for me because I felt like I was a, I was appealing to a broader audience because I've been exposed to so many things at a tender age that it was like, wow, like by me doing this in front of a camera for, you know, let's say a Mountain Dew commercial that, you know, directed by Spike Lee or one of these other, I did like, you know, a dozen, I was the youngest athlete assigned with Nike at 18. So I did a dozen commercials and the excitement in front of the camera, I was like, man, this is, you know, maybe I should get into film. Maybe that's, maybe this is my calling. And I didn't take theater in high school. I thought I was going to be in the NBA. You know, I was a young inner city kid chasing the basketball dream, like millions of others. But, you know, it all worked out. Um, and uh, it was, it's good to talk about it now because it's just like, man, 20 years, a lot of things change. Yeah. Well, when you signed with Nike, it was a gigantic deal because it was, you know, I mean, culturally, streetball, free, freestyle, I mean, all this stuff. I mean, what was for you, what was that like? And what was the cultural significance of it? You know, the the campaign the the the, the what in, inspired freestyle to and Paul Hunter to make this campaign, that, you know, this is showing my age. That was the introduction of NikeBasketball.com. So the domain launch was for freestyle. Wow. And the, yeah, so we're like, wow, in only 20 years. URLs, it's like, wow, like, but it just seems like a lifetime that we had websites and pages, but it's only been 20 years since Nike basketball. So that was the introduction of the URL, NikeBasketball.com. And then they introduced a campaign that they wanted to be gritty, rough, and not really advertise the swoosh, but the culture. So, you know, at 18 years old, your mindset make sure I'm doing the best stuff because I have a small window and my goal is to just be like, man, if I could just get five seconds on this commercial, I could brag about it on the streetball course forever. And I feel like that's my stripe in the New York city streetball. I'll be like, he's that guy from such and such long and behold, Nike ended up giving me my own 32nd spot. Yeah. Phones kept ringing. I had Calvin Klein offers. I had 
scripts that now I look back, the stuff I turned down from my idiotic brain. Remember, I didn't have a manager. I didn't have an agent. Oh, I am wow. a kid living in my mom and dad's house. My dad drives truck. My mom works a regular job and their son's on the cover of Time Magazine, front page of the Wall Street Journal. Every time out is this commercial. I had the big Madison billboard in New York, Times Square. Every time you turn around, it was a bill. And I was just like, like the first thing that ever picked me up was a limousine to take me to a Ritz Carlton. That was my first. So I didn't know what the heck was going on. It just happened so fast. Yeah. So I started to absorb it after years and be like, man, like, wait a minute. Now I know what hotels are like. Wow. First one was Shanghai's Ritz Carlton. And we're on the same floor with Michael Jackson. And man, this is really like, it happened fast. Yeah. Yeah. So is that where you decided, okay, I want more of this. I'm, I'm going to move into acting. Is that, is that sort of the, where you got the bug? You know, Steve, the, <sighs> I like to say that because it sounds good for podcasts, but I'm not going to sell you a lie. Okay. So in 2003, uh, you know, and not that I had any ego. I really think I, I, I do a very good job not because I wasn't raised that way. I was raised very unfortunate and all this is a blessing. So, you know, but knowing what I've done with Nike and I'm saying to myself, okay, guys, Creatively, what's the next campaign? I have this, this idea. And they did this awesome $3 million shoot in Beaverton that has never been released. I have oh, raw really? Amazing spot. 3D. Heart, I mean, it is. They spent $3 million and it was just my commercial. I was like, this is going to be the one. All of a sudden, it got shelved. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, you know, we have a meeting and there's this kid coming out from Ohio. Ohio with two first names, LeBron James. I'm the cover of every, who's this LeBron James? Well, you know, he's a high school, a high school player. Long and behold, Steve, damn it. If they didn't make the right decision. Oh yeah. Uh, so, so LeBron James came around in 03 and then it, it kind of became more. Cause remember the NBA was kind of on a bad, it, it wasn't looking good. Yeah. After no, it Jordan, was like, it was on a dip. Yeah. After Jordan, I mean, Kobe's come, but it was still like the ratings weren't the same. Everybody was turning to street ball. I had my, my hype. And then all of a sudden they, you know, resurrected from the LeBron. And, uh, I'd like to tell that story. Cause I always remember saying like, man, LeBron James, like, but, uh, I got a chance to work with LeBron on his first commercial, wow. uh, with Bernie Mac, God rest his soul. And then, um, after that, LeBron is exactly what they anticipated LeBron to be and all due respect. But yeah, I just figured after that. Am I going to try to, I always had a good understanding to be like, I don't want to chase the rabbit and be yeah. like, you know, that because then it just looks bad for your legacy to and whatever legacy there may be. Uh, but in my mindset, it's just like, you know, it looks bad when you're chasing it, be happy for what you got and pivot. And damn it, if pivoting to acting wasn't as, uh, yeah, talk about humbling. You know, you're talking about reading sides in a fold-out chair. No one cares how good you are in basketball. Yeah. And it happened year after year after year until 07 gave me a break with the brave one. Then Jody Foster gave me my first one. Um, and I played the lead villain, number one in the box office. And this is during uh, Robert Downey's transition when he was going to rehab. Suzanne yep. Downey was producing it. You know, there were talks about him being Iron Man. This is when Terrence Howard was doing it. Terrence Howard's having conversations with me. They're not paying me enough. Handed it off to Robert Downey. And he never looked back. Yeah, so, yeah. There is luck in this industry. Um, I don't know if I, I, I got lucky with Fast and Furious. But um, 
you know, people ask me, you know, what there's, I got to tell you, Stephen, and this is not, and you know, cause you lead an awesome podcast, but there is, and I wish there was, there isn't no cheat code in Hollywood. No, I, there isn't. So it's just like, you could be as good as you. It's just like, there's so many dynamics, scripts, agencies, packaging. And if not, you have to be in the right place at the right time. And again, I got lucky with fast 10 you know, they're chasing to a billion dollars box office. And I know one thing, I learned so much in 12 years since Fast Five. So my ability and knowledge that I know I didn't have the opportunity to to capitalize 12 years ago, I'm 12 years wiser. Yeah. So you you mentioned cheat code, uh, you know, even even, for example, what what I do, I, I get kids saying, well, how do I get to, you know, make it all the way to ESPN and all that stuff? And I'm like, I don't even know what to say. It was it was like, what do they call that when the, the ball roll, a Rube Goldberg uh, thing where the ball rolls yeah. and knocks over the dominoes and all. Yeah. I, I have no clue exactly how to describe how you. And you know, I, you know, if I had to, like, if my daughter asks me the question, you know, just like you, and I'm a fan of your work, um, I think what resonates on camera or in person, you know, your eyes don't lie, right? And what I mean by that is, when you're or, when it's organic, people could feel it. Yeah, and that's my testament to what I what I, I mentioned before about our society changing now with AI, and that's all great. I mean, you could write a synopsis in ten minutes, but yep. the goal is to still keep it authentic in a way where people can feel. You know, and you can't beat a pulse. Yeah, and you now once you can reach and and I'm I'm grateful enough that. My character now, Diogo, was a little bit better in Fast 10. So it shows um, the empathetic liveliness of friendship that, that, that Dom came to me for help and he trusted me. And now there's a race and all of a sudden he had a choice. And I could see why he made it Isabella. She was closer. I was yeah. too far up. But, you know, he gave me a look. And if there is a chance where Diogo got out of that safely, I bet your bottom dollar. I'm going to team up with The Rock, and we're going to get revenge on Dante. There you go. There you go. So let's let's talk a little hoops. I, I'm sure you still follow the game, I would imagine, really close, oh right? Oh, my God. I'm, I'm a, it's all I watch. Now, you grew up back east, so are you a Knicks fan, a Nets fan? How's that work? You know, I grew up in the 90s a, a Jordan fan. So I was during the Jordan era. But after Jordan left, I felt so bad for my damn Knicks that I kind of, I gravitated to, I'm not a Brooklyn Knicks fan. I kind of rock with the Knicks, but I also like past 20 years, I've been a Spurs fan because I'm a huge fan of Popovich. Yeah. Um, and damn it, we got the first pick. So I know. How about that? Victor Wimbayana. We need it. And I just hope, I really hope we get another two, three years out of pop. I know he's, he just looks like he's just, he's tired. Um, I still snap it at reporters. He seems, you know, I love him, but that'd be so great for us. But I like where basketball is going, uh, where the NBA is, you know, um, you know, if I had to take one thing away, I think, I think social media, Instagram, Twitter, more importantly, more, more importantly than, 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 than Instagram, but I feel like the voices of players are becoming too diplomatic and it's, it's affecting their on-court experience. I feel like, you know, Jordan never really gotten, yes, there wasn't social media, but like, we like to know that basketball players just like kind of play basketball. And I don't mind being 
you know, like LeBron does a great job being an advocate in so many things. But at, at some point, it's just like, what is enough enough? Because we kind of go to sports to disconnect from reality. I know right. I do. You know, athletes go to watch movies. I make movies, but then I go to athletes to just because I, I still feel in my heart. I can get a 10 day contract. Yes. So, yes. So, so it, it's, it, it makes me feel relieved. So then when it gets too complicated and politics get involved and social media about who's waving what pistols and it's just like, come on, guys, like, I just want to know you for being on the court. And, you know, I just and that's where, again, where it becomes too much of anything's no good. Well, that must be part of why you like San Antonio, because San Antonio Spurs guys aren't really involved in all that because Popovich doesn't really like his guys to be involved in it. Like the New York Yankees do. It's yes. structure and you're building a culture. Yeah. No mustache, no gun. If you don't like it, we'll ship you. Yep. So uh, who do you like to watch? What players? Uh, we were talking about your handle when, when you were at your apex in basketball. Um, I, I think Kyrie might be the guy that is, is, is that guy who, what players do you follow currently? Yeah. Kyrie for the obvious reasons, James Harden, when he's James Harden. Yeah. Right. Uh, not partying James Harden. Um, yeah. Um, of course, LeBron. I mean, how do you not like LeBron? But I gotta yeah. tell you. I wasn't a Joker fan, and I've been studying watching Joker, and yes, I get why. He, he does things so everything is effortless, right? I love I love Luca. I yep. love Luca. Um, Stephen Curry for the obvious. I see Michael Jordan, to me, there would never be a Michael Jordan. I think Kobe was the closest. Yes. And the reason why Kobe literally mimicked Michael and did a fairly good job. God rest his soul. LeBron is not Kobe, is not Jordan, but is a great player and in his own right. But the gracefulness is what, what for my own, and this is only personally speaking, I think that's what categorizes goats to me. It's gracefulness and ease to get to point A to point B. I don't think LeBron does it with ease. Right. Um, but I do like... Um, I think next to Jordan being the greatest to ever play, I think what Stephen Curry's done for the game of basketball is parallel to Michael with shooting threes and his ability to, I mean, his handle is, has gotten really good. Very it good. wasn't like that seven, eight years ago, but now he's, he's exceptional. But for what he has done for the three ball, it's never been seen before. Like we've never seen a six, six guard do this in the air gracefully. So I, I, I think it's Jordan, Kobe, Stephen Curry, and LeBron right there. But Stephen Curry has to be in that top three. There's no way. Yeah. No, he's, he's reinvented the game in a lot of ways. And now and uh, so many kids want to grow up to be Steph Curry. And you don't have to be 6'8 to do it. It's like open the door to kids who, are, who aren't really tall. Now, if I if I if you ask me who I think is the best ball player to ever dribble in the NBA court, because I never played in the NBA, because I would still be saying, but I would have to say, for what he's done and the mindset to be so creative, um, there's nothing you can watch and learn. It had to be Pistol Pete. Oh, so Pistol, Pistol Pete, my dad's I favorite watched, player of all time. I watched. I grew up in Elizabeth, New Jersey, studying all his tapes before I went. So I learned Pistol Pete. But after that, 
I got to say that Jason Williams white chocolate was a problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when you're dribbling, there's a different type of cockiness that comes to it and flair. And if you don't got that charisma and know how to create, there's a fear he had. Sure. And the things he, the things he were, was doing on a basketball court was, was, um, was, was extremely flashy but impressive. And he did a really damn good job doing it. Um, but then, you know, there's tons. There's Roth Strickland did a great job. Uh, Mookie Blaylock of Nick Van Exel. I mean, yeah. I can go back. God Sham God, who played a small time in the NBA, was phenomenal with dribbling, but really didn't get the exposure he needed. So I think for the superstar's perspective, what Kyrie's do doing and having to handle, I think he's the apex just because he is also the elite tier of superstars. So you yeah. kind of kind of have to keep it in tandem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, listen, uh, th this has been great, man. Uh, I'm a huge we fan. Do this again. Yeah, we we'll do definitely this do it again. We'll we'll just talk basketball next time, man. Call me anytime, please. All right, uh, Fast Ten is in theaters. It is worldwide, racking up huge numbers. Congratulations, man! And Lu and Luis, thanks a lot for doing this, man. Thank you. I got one question for you. Yes. What do you got in the finals? Denver. I I watched them beat the Lakers. Um, are, are you talking about Boston or Miami? Because uh, no, I, no, I just want yeah. I think Miami's going to win. I don't. I can't see Boston win three games. I, I completely agree. I, I think Denver's going to win. I, you know, I slept on them completely all year long. I said, you know what? They're the, the least intimidating number one seed I can remember. And then I got to see him versus the Lakers. And Jokic is just, I mean, he doesn't look like he should be able to do what he does. I mean, he's kind of a, a loaf out there. But his footwork is unbelievable. Uh, his and passing his ability... His IQ, yeah. Shooting Amazing. the ball over his head and you don't miss. Yeah, no, he's crazy. You know, one, player, one player I did sleep on, um, but he's done it two years in a row. And, I, I, you know, I, I can't see Jimmy Butler is, I, I, I wouldn't know, because I wouldn't not, like, I, you know, I felt like it was a fluke last year. They got to the, but I mean, where they're going now, the, the kid's tough. But, yeah, I got, I, it's hard. After they kind of really manhandled the Lakers and LeBron didn't have an answer, um, I think it's probably going to be Denver. Yeah, yeah. I think they're just the most balanced team. Miami's missing some guys. Tyler Hero isn't uh, playing. Although here he may be back for the finals. Tyler Hero may be back, which will make I a difference. Game seven game. I hope it's game seven because after that, we got no more NBA. Exactly. Stretch it out for as long as we can. Please. Please, All I right. need it. Hey, Luis, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. And there you have it. There is Luis De Silva. Great guy. I uh, love that uh, that he knows the show with me in Ireland. That's very cool. He knows basketball, obviously. Uh, very cool. Uh, and the movie is so much fun. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Most of the world has seen it now. I think it's done half a billion dollars worldwide. But if you haven't seen it, go check out uh, Fast 10. Hey, don't forget, we are now on YouTube. You can watch... Usually, me and Sue on YouTube. Today, it's just me solo. Uh, but you go to YouTube.com and search Culture Pop Podcast, and we will pop right up for you. Uh, also, of course, on Spotify, on Apple, 
uh, listen to us on the podcast, watch us on YouTube. Feel free to give us a rating or a review on any of those. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That would be appreciated, too. Uh, reminder, our next show, Anthony Ramos, really excited about the star of Transformers and the star of In the Heights. He also was in the original Broadway cast of Hamilton. So really cool conversation. That's on our next show. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot for watching. Appreciate you being here for the Culture Pop Podcast.